while you're on your feet on all of our campuses. Can we just put our hands together, give the Lord our best hand clap. Great is his faithfulness, Father God. We love you. We're grateful. We're so grateful. New mercies every morning. Forgive us for all the mornings that we forget to say thank you. Forgive us for all the things that we don't even recognize that you're holding together. But Lord, on this morning, we will not be silent. The rocks will not cry out in the state of South Carolina because there are people, your church, that recognizes that you have been faithful and you've done it yet again. One more time on every campus, let's give the Lord a praise. We love you, God. We honor you. Amen. Amen. Why don't you take a seat on all of our campuses? So good to see you. Happy Mother's Day to you. I know that we've already celebrated moms, but I feel like it's just, we gotta do it because there is something about a mom, isn't there? There is something about a mama. Uh, mamas, you show us a, a part of the reflection of God's goodness and God's glory that nobody else can. Lord knows a daddy can't do it. And so mamas, we're grateful for you, but we're grateful to God who stands behind you and shows us part of his character in all of you mamas. So one more time, let's thank all the mamas in the room watching online, joining. We, we love you, mom. We thank, many of us thank for the memory of mom. She's already graduated on to be with the Lord. Some of you are expecting to be moms and man, we are pumped up about that. Well, uh, I'm excited today. We are, we are in a series that is called Tested Love. And it's a series as we kind of pare down and talk about moms today. There's a unique kind of angle I wanna take in this series on marriage. And so if you've got your app, I wanna invite you to open it up. We've already got the notes preloaded there in the New Spring app. You can download it. We, we made that available. Or if you wanna open up your Bibles and open up your old fashioned notebook, that's fine too. I'd recommend that. Hopefully there's some things you're gonna write down today that are gonna help you as uh, you go forward. And, uh, and, and so here's what I want to ask. Remember back in grade school, this is the way I want to enter into today. You remember being maybe grade school, middle school, high school, and you get into the room and you kind of get seated and everybody's talking. Maybe it's your math class, maybe it's your science class, but some of y'all, this was a long time ago, but I know this has made such a deep impact. You're going to remember this. And your teacher says, okay, class, settle down, settle down, settle down. I need everybody to clear off their desk. It's time for a pop quiz. And so you remember that feeling? I mean, the collective side, doesn't matter what age you were, you could be 12 or 18, oh my goodness. And everybody kind of looks around and shuffles nervously and, and you're, oh my goodness, I didn't read the chapter last night. I, oh, oh Lord, and some of you threw up those Hail Mary prayers. Lord, if you'll just get me through this test, Lord, I'll worship you forever. I'll go, you know, you're throwing up the, you're, you're praying and asking and, and, and here's the deal, here's the truth. I wanna start with this truth. Nobody loves a test. Isn't that true? No, I mean, even if you had done the preparation, nobody loves the test. Nobody loves a test. Test, every time you take them, every pop quiz you ever took, every, every test in college, every SAT or every college examination, nobody loves a test. That's, just, that's true, that's a truth. But here's a simultaneous truth. Every single one of us loves tested things. You're sitting in a chair today that was tested, you know that, right? You rode here in a vehicle today that passed some tests. Now, some of you have a very old used vehicle and maybe you didn't pass some tests, maybe we'd be retired, but you, you, you ate tested food. Many of you have received tested vaccines, right? We never want to go to a doctor who's not passed a test. We want them to pass. We don't wanna sit down in a dentist chair with the dentist that hadn't passed a test. We, we, we love 
to trust in tested things. And so I want to put these two truths before us as we are kind of entering into this series because we have a series called Tested Love. But the truth is, we live in a world where we don't like tests, but we love trusting in tested things. And the distance between these two realities is this word called preparation. And preparation takes us from not loving tests to actually being tested. And I want you to know that God has designed marriage, biblical marriage, is supposed to be a marriage that pass the test. Your marriage, however old or young, your marriage maybe perhaps if you're single, you're anticipating getting marriage. I want you to know because there's a lot of fear and anxiety around marriage because a lot of people think that marriage is a 50-50 toss up whether you're gonna make it or not. I just wanna look right in the camera and say that's absolutely not true. The truth is, your marriage, when you are founded on the love of Jesus Christ, will make it 100% of the time. Because we have a source that has been tested, and when we are attached, grounded in, and abide in that source, your marriage will make it. Your marriage will pass the test. And so what I'm gonna share with you today is what I believe has helped Number one thing, if you were to sit down with my wife and I, and you're gonna actually get to hear from her here in just a little bit. If you were to sit down with us, this is the number one thing I would tell you makes all the difference in marriage. The number one thing. Now, the shocking thing about this is this number one thing, I didn't ever hear about it in my premarital class. And if you've taken premarital stuff and gotten prepared for being married, I guarantee you probably didn't hear about it either. And I know that might come as a surprise, which by the way, in New Spring Church, we have incredible premarital resources that are available on every single campus. And if you're thinking about getting married or you're engaged, you absolutely have to take advantage of this. But I want you to know today, I want you to write this down. The number one thing, the number one thing that I believe has changed my marriage is, is prayer, is prayer. The number one thing, it has changed my marriage. Now, I know I say prayer, and you're thinking perhaps, prayer? Really? Out of all the things? I mean, you could have picked a zillion things, but prayer. I think maybe perhaps the prayer and the way by which you and I have prayed classically is the reason that many of us think that prayer is not that big of a game changer. Because I think many of us, I know at least in my life, I have prayed so often, too often, prayers, listen, of formality, instead of prayers of formation. And I think the prayer of formality is the prayer that we just go through the motions. We pray because it's what we do before church or it's what we do before we eat or it's, it's perhaps what we do before we go to bed at night. It's just the prayer of formality. And I wanna just give you the opportunity today to reject that kind of prayer. And I wanna introduce you to the prayer of formation the prayer that changes you and it changes the world around you. Now, let me just ask a question. This is not rhetorical, show of hands. How many of you would, would say, I want, I want to know how to pray in a way that changes me and changes the world around me? Show of hands on every campus. All right, I'm gonna show you the secret, it's in the scripture. 
It's a, it's a prayer that's gonna change you and it's gonna change the world around you. It's gonna change your spouse. It's gonna change your kids. It's gonna change your school. It's gonna change your workplace. It's gonna change the world around you. But in order to do this, I've gotta teach you a word that we don't use anymore. Very rarely do we use anymore. And it's one of the ways that the Bible describes prayer. And I want you to write it down. It's actually your first blank if you're following along on the app. The, it's, it's the word travail. It's the word travail. Everybody say travail on three. One, two, three, travail. Travail, let me give you the definition of travail. Travail, if you just look it up in this definition, is to engage in painful or laborious or laborious, I don't know how you prefer it. Uh, I'm gonna say laborious effort. Um, and, and that's what travail is. Anybody ever prayed like that? I want you to know that's how the Bible talks about prayer. The Bible talks about praying in such a way that it strains you, that it changes you, and it changes the world around you. And you'll notice a word there in the definition. It's one of the reasons I, I kind of emphasized laborious, because the Bible actually, when it uses the word travail, this is so cool, watch this. The Bible says, and if you read in the King James, you'll see it, it actually is translated travail. It, but in, in the English Standard Version or in the NLT, the NIV, many times it's, it's the word anguish or it's the word painful. But if you go back in the, the King James, it'll say travail or travailing or travaileth. Every time you see that, you're gonna see two major, major um, metaphors. The first one is the idea of prayer. And the other one is the idea of having a baby. All right, the Bible talks about prayer like you're praying and you're actually birthing something when you pray. Now I know that's crazy and I know guys, that's exactly what you wanted to hear on the, on the Mother's Day sermon at New Spring Churches. I wanna teach you today how to make a baby. No, not like that, not like that. I wanna teach you today to make a baby like praying a new child into existence. That's what we're gonna talk about today. Now, I can remember the first time that my wife and I saw and had our very first child. Can I tell you the story? Um, my wife and I, we were so excited when we got, we got pregnant with our very first child. She, she's um, seven and a half now, but, but I remember my wife taking the test and she brings the test in and she takes it and she, she says, babe, I think we're pregnant. She was like, oh my gosh, we're pregnant. Let's go back to the store and get a couple more tests. We test them like third, three or four different times. Yes, yeah, we're pregnant. We're pregnant. Okay, we're pregnant. And then that first trimester, mamas, you know this, this is when, this is when the, the morning sickness is there or the fatigue is there. My wife, she, praise God, was not ultra sick in the morning, but she was super tired, super tired. And uh, we get through that phase Second trimester, we end up getting to a place where she's showing now and people are celebrating. It's like everybody around the church, you're at church or at the grocery store, people you don't even know, absolute strangers, they come up and want to touch the baby, right? They want to touch the baby. And so she's doing that. And then you get to the third trimester where it's now you're a little bit uncomfortable, right? And you're just like counting down the days. And it's like, oh my Lord, get this child out of me. And I can remember as a, as a husband, my wife getting up every single night because the baby Campbell was using mom's bladder like a pillow. Right, and uh, so her, 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 every single night in the middle of the night, she'd get up and use the restroom, and uh, and I'd kind of be awake, but kind of not be awake. And I remember one night, my wife from the bathroom, where she's snuck to the bathroom and she's using the restroom, she says, "Babe, but babe, yeah, yes, 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 yes. I, I think it's time." And I'm like, "Time for time for what? Time to get up? No, it's the middle of the night. No, it's time to go to the hospital." Oh, shot of adrenaline, 
right? Oh, oh, that time, I get out of bed, I throw my clothes on. We had already packed our bags to go to the hospital and I did the most important thing I could think to do, go and make a pot of coffee. So I run to the kitchen, I turn on a pot of coffee, it's brewing, I go back, I brush my teeth, I put a hat on, I pull my, pull my jeans, put it, get it, get it. babe, you ready, you ready? Okay, I get our bags, I put them in the car, I walk to the car, um, I go back, I get my, my cup of coffee, we get in the car, it's, it's, it's like 2.17. I know that's weird, but you remember these kind of things. It's 2.17 a.m. in the morning. We drive, it's usually like a 10 minute drive to the hospital, not on this day. This day, it was like a five minute drive to the hospital. We get to the parking lot. I run around and let my wife out of the car and, and I'm trying to walk her through the parking lot. And as we're walking through the parking lot, she goes, oh, no, stop, 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 she, she reaches down like this and puts her hands on her knees and she goes, oh my goodness. <laughs> this is true story. And I'm going, oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, okay. Just a contraction, I'm good. Okay, so we get through there, we walk through the door, opens up, it's like, this point it's like 2.25. The, they're wiping sleep out of their eyes. It's cold, it's March, March 6th. And, and we're looking at them and, 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 and I'm like, she's about to have a baby, she's about to have a baby right now. We're trying to, and, and they look at me, sir, if you could just come over here, please, ma'am. If you don't mind, you can sit down in that room right there, sir. Here's 37 pieces of paper I need you to fill out in a clipboard. I need you. And I'm like, you're not moving fast enough. She's about to have a baby. She's about to have a baby. Sir, I promise it'll be just fine. Okay, so they're way calm. I'm not way calm. You get the point. We get into the little triage room right there off of the you know, main lobby and they send a gal in to check my wife and, and, and everybody was just going way, way too calm until she checks my wife and goes, okay, she's at nine and a half centimeters. She said that, it was like they pushed a button and blew a whistle. And now all kinds of people that I had never seen come flying around like honeybees. Whoa, they're moving. I'm sorry, ma'am, we don't have time for an epidural. Here we go, we're putting her on a roller up to another room. All of a sudden, they've got her in a chair, a chair with stirrups. I had never seen one of these chairs before, but here we are. Here comes, do we have time to get our doctor, the doctor that we've met with all the time, all the way up to this moment? Of course not, that doctor's not on call. Here comes some stranger. We don't know this stranger. Hey, how are you, doctor? Okay, yeah, this is my wife, this is her. Okay, um, here we go. And then all of a sudden, my wife's going, okay, another contraction, another contraction, another contraction. And they say to my wife, listen, when you feel the contraction, I want you to do what? Push. Good. Okay, here comes one, here comes one, here comes one. And now I do my part. My part, you know what my part is? I'm holding her hand off to the side. I put my, head, my hand on her hair, and I, and, I, and I just yell when she yells, right? That's, that's my part. So one, two, three, push. She goes, ah! So that's her yelling, okay? And here's me yelling, ah! Okay, okay, push. And then all of a sudden they say back and say, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, the great job, Corey, you're doing great. I see a head full of hair. Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay, here we go again. Push, 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 push. One, two, three, push. She's pushing, push. I'm pushing. Oh my gosh, here comes the baby. Here comes the baby. Boom, Campbell's out. They hand me the surgical scalpel. Sir, would you like to cut the umbilical cord? Uh, okay, okay. And then they hand the baby to mom. Mom hands the baby to me. I'm sitting there going, oh my God, this is unbelievable. I hand the baby back to mom. I'm just like worshiping. I mean, I mean, I'm tears. Oh my goodness. I turn around. I'm, I'm trying to tell you how quick this was. I turn around. I grab my cup of coffee. Remember I'd made it? Perfect drinking temperature. <laughs> That's how quickly this experience occurred. 
why in the world did you go through all the trouble to give us all the details of that? Listen, listen. This is what the Bible says travail is. It's birthing a baby. It's all over the scripture, but I want you to catch this. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter eight. Go read it later. Romans 8, 22 to 26. It talks about the earth having contractions, birth pains, where the world is groaning with things that need to change, things that need to be birthed into the earth. And the job of the Christian is the job of the mama, is to when the, when the earth is groaning, is to grab a hold of the promises of God and to pray in such a way that you are changed ah! and you bring into existence something in the earth that also changes the world. This is the picture of how change takes place and this is the thing that'll change your marriage. Single person in the room, you've got to learn how not to pray prayers of formality, but instead prayers of formation. Again, every mama will tell you, once you birth a baby, mamas, I need an amen. Somebody's got to testify right here. Your body never goes back to the way it was. Amen. Just doesn't do it. This is the way prayer is supposed to be. You're supposed to pray in ways that change you and you never go back to the way you used to do it. And you're supposed to bring things into the earth that change the way the earth lives. I can promise you, my wife and I lived very differently when we were double income, no kids. All of a sudden, those babies get here, and now, that ain't the way we, we don't just go do that and do this and do that. No, 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 it's different. This is the way the Bible talks about prayer. You read it this week in the year of the Bible, if you were reading. Many of you read about Elijah this week, and Elijah going up on top of Mount Carmel after he defeats the prophets of Baal, and the Bible says that he put his head between his legs, and this was literally the image of birthing. You know, back in the day, they didn't have chairs with stirrups. Mama's back in the day, this is how they birthed the baby. Ah! That's how they did it. I'm not trying to be crass. I'm just trying to tell you what's in the text. First Kings 18, the Bible says that Elijah prayed seven times until a cloud was formed in the sky and he brought the rain. You need to catch this. This is so rich. We have missed this so often. But in the scriptures, there are two things going on. There is the declared and decreed will of God. God has declared and decreed things in the earth that will never, ever, ever be thwarted. I like that word thwarted. Never be able to stop it. No circumstance, no, no decision of man, nothing can stop God, amen? At the same time, God has a will of command. They're running parallel in the universe. The will of command are all the things that you and I get invited into where he gives you and I the dignity of choice to decide, will you pray without ceasing? Will you love your neighbor as you love yourself? Will, will, will you forgive as you have been forgiven in Christ Jesus? These are the prayers and the will of command, okay? They're running parallel at the same time. What prayer is, prayer is a Christ follower filled with God's spirit, reaching over, taking hold of the promises of God and birthing them into time and space right now. That's what prayer is. What prayer is not is us going through the formality and motions of, and there's nothing wrong with praying before you eat, okay? But it's, that is not what prayer is in scripture. Prayer is rather coming to God and saying, Lord, I feel the groans of the earth. I see what you're doing and I see you've put me here and I'm gonna be a woman of faith or a man of faith. I'm gonna be a husband of faith and I'm gonna pray in such a way that changes me and I'm not gonna stop. I'm gonna come back again and again and again. And I'm not gonna let hold of this promise of salvation until I see my child get saved. 
until I see my friend walk in freedom from addiction, until I see my community walk in unity. I'm going to see the world change. That's what Paul is writing about in Galatians chapter four. Galatians chapter four, verse 19. Y'all better lean in. This is the only scripture I'm gonna put in front of you today, okay? It's gonna be on the screens. Galatians chapter four, verse 19. Let's look at it. Let's see what it says. Paul writes to the church of Galatia. He says, my little children for whom I am again. Everybody say again. Again, in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. So I don't know how in the world Paul knew about the anguish of childbirth. I know the ladies can say amen to that, but he did. He did through prayer. And he writes to the church in Galatia and he says, I'm praying again. I wanna see you look like Jesus. You don't look like Jesus yet, so I'm praying for you. And this prayer, it changed Paul and it changed the church in Galatia. And so what we've got to do is catch a revelation of this. And I told you guys a little bit about Corey and I having our very first child from my vantage point. But what I didn't tell you was the backstory. And instead of me telling you, I want to let my wife tell you the story. So would you help me welcome my beautiful bride up on stage to help share a little bit of this story? Y'all put your hands together and help welcome Corey Cooper. I'm gonna move this out of the way, Corey. All right. Good morning. So we shared just a little bit of the story about Campbell getting here. Yes. But what I didn't share was a little bit of the backstory that got us to that point of that day, a day I'll never forget. And so I'd love, if you don't mind, to share a little bit about the travail that really changed our marriage and changed us in, in that season. Yes. Yeah. Um, so about 14 months before we had Campbell, we uh, experienced a miscarriage and I was 24 years old at the time and I was actually remembering this morning as I sat right there um, that it was a Sunday morning that it occurred and so Brad was at the church and I came back home because I just wasn't feeling right. Something was off. And... Um, so things began to happen at home that I knew were not good, but I was, again, I was super shocked. Um, at the time, all of my friends were pregnant and we were, you know, I was just thinking, oh gosh, I'm gonna be right here in this flow of new babies and it's gonna be exciting. Um, but things happened that morning that I knew um, would mean the discontinuation of that journey for me. And so for the next couple of weeks, I met with my doctor several times. We went through lots of tests and um, just basically knew, okay, this wasn't our time. And um, I, for the next couple of months, um, just numbed myself. I just became very numb and um, just really had lots of questions and questions that I never thought I would be asking the Lord. But I, uh, I got reminded by the Lord that um, he was gonna be okay with me being angry and being disappointed. Mm. Um, he didn't push away from me. In fact, I felt like uh, this was a moment where I could be open and honest with Brad. And I eventually opened up to a trusted friend and had a conversation with her. And from there, she reminded me of all of the truths that I needed to hear. She actually also reminded me that there was, um, that God has a time for everything and that God would have a time that he would plan before the beginning of time for our child. Yeah. And so, yeah. Those are just really good promises that, uh, again, reminded me that I, I had to go back and, and, and pray in a different way. Yeah, and I just want to point out a couple of things. Thank you, Corey, for sharing that. Just jumped right off the front row and came up here and got vulnerable right away. Um, but I just want to say this. 
Um, I know that there's people that have gone through difficulty, gone through tough seasons. Uh, but one of the things I've learned in walking with the Lord is that pain has a purpose. You know, C.S. Lewis was famously stated that God, God, he whispers to us in, in good blessings, but he shouts to us in pain. Mm-hmm. And I just want to put this in front of you today. If you're walking through anything difficult, God's purpose in pain is not to push you away, although the enemy may, may want to try to get you to do that. But God's purpose in pain is to invite you closer. It's an invitation. It's an invitation specifically to prayer. Not prayer of formality, but prayer of formation. So pain is an invitation to prayer. And as a husband walking through this, obviously I had all kinds of pain too going through it. But I'll tell you one of the things that was super frustrating in those days was I couldn't do anything. And you know, husbands, what I'm talking about. You want to do something, you want to help, you want to fix it. There was no effort I could give, no check I could write, no place I could take her. All I could do, listen, all I could do was pray. And it was that prayer that both changed me and was changing my wife and was changing the circumstance. I can remember sitting in church on Sunday mornings and and trying to go after God in worship and feeling the frustration and the numbness and and the tough season that Corey was walking through. And so we wanted to be able to share a little bit of this journey today because I think that one of the things that we've got to all lean into is God's promises his promises in, inside of our prayer lives. And that the Lord doesn't want you to be numb and, and push away, but he wants to let that pain invite you in that he is not intimidated by our honesty, like you're saying. And I just, I love, I love your journey. I love your story there. Um, was there anything else that just stands out now looking back, seeing sure. God's faithfulness over the last three children we've been able to, to walk through being yes. parents of? Yes, absolutely. Um, I don't think it's been coincidental that you uh, shared with me, you know, several weeks ago that you wanted me to come on stage and be a part of Mother's Day, which was, you know, a big honor. Um, And I don't think it was a coincidence that I was reading in the book of Luke. And so in Luke chapter one, specifically, I read through the story that I'd read through before about Zacharias and Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, all of a sudden, so many emotions came back to me, um, thinking back to the season that we were in and the season that we experienced with the miscarriage, and I really looked at the life of Elizabeth and was reminded in those verses that it says that she was considered righteous and that she followed all the commandments of the Lord. And in my little women's study Bible, there was a little excerpt that just shared that Elizabeth was older in age and she could have very easily gone about life um, in a place that she just didn't want to continue pursuing the Lord. She didn't want to continue putting her faith in him, but it just talked about how her faith did not wane. And that through that, the Lord gave her vibrancy in spirit. And so that really has been my prayer that um, I think about so many women in my life that I've journeyed with over the years that have experienced incredibly hard things. And they've carried quiet sorrow um, and they felt public shame, but yet I'm believing and trusting that myself, all the other women and men in the room, that we don't have to be people with waning faith. We can be people with vibrant spirits. Amen, amen. Yeah, so. So I wanna wanted, wanted remind us all of a couple of questions, if we could, because our, our heart today is not just to preach the truth of the word, but it's that this word would find soil in your own heart. And so can I just ask you a question in your life? Maybe this is one that I look back and and I see in my own is where perhaps have you lost hope? Where have you lost hope? Like where's your pain right now? Mm 
Maybe it's, maybe it's inside of marriage. Maybe it's inside of this idea of having children or maybe not. Maybe it's because you've lost hope because of a situation, a situation in your home, a situation with your medical um, scenario, with your kids. And then I wanna just flip that coin over and I wanna invite you to answer this. Where in your life do you need to hope again? Where do you need to hope again? We serve a God who is absolutely, again, he has infinite amounts of hope and he wants to give you faith. He wants to give you belief. He wants you to take a hold of that, even that kernel, that seed of faith. And he wants you to come again in prayer. And so what we wanted to do today was to invite you before we get out of this space on Mother's Day and we all go and do whatever's next to, to take hold of God's great promises. You know, we've got our promises. We talk about them in our Connect classes. Promises of salvation, promises of freedom. God's promised us purpose. He's promised, promised us a family. Maybe one of those four areas is something you need to take hold of today. And, and I wanted to just invite you to take hold of something. Whatever that place is, put it right in the front of your heart right now. And mom, I was gonna invite you, if you don't mind, would you pray for our people? Would you pray for the, the points of pain in all of our rooms? And, and, and let's, let's take hold of this right now. Are y'all with us? If you're with us, say amen. Okay, let's take hold of this right now on all of our campuses and let's pray for, for these pain points, these spaces where God's invited us in to travail. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you that you've brought us here together. You've gathered your people to uh, hear from you today. And I just thank you so much for this word that you have given to us, travail. Uh, Lord, I just pray right now that we would not be intimidated by it, but God, that we would remember that the pain that we experience in life, that it's an invitation for us to partner with you in prayer, uh, to be able to to agree our will with yours, to be able to bring new life uh, into existence here on earth. And Lord, I'm just reminded right now of your word. And um, there's a verse in the book of Nahum. Uh, it's Nahum 1 verse 7. And it says, the Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. And I'll just say he's a stronghold. You're a stronghold in the day of testing. Yeah, thank you, God. Um, but it goes on to say that you know those who trust you. And so, Lord, I just ask you right now, I ask you, Lord, to give us more faith. Give us more hope, Lord. Allow us to trust you because we're known. We are known fully by you. You have created us. You've made us. You've called us. You've purposed us. Lord, I just pray right now that you would um, speak to every single man and woman here today. You would remind them you are faithful. You are good. You are a stronghold in the day of testing. Yes. We love you so much, yes. Lord. We praise you. We worship you. Yes. We thank you again and again for Jesus. Hmm. It's in his name we pray. Yes. And right now, I want to pray a prayer, special prayer. I felt like the Lord prompted me to pray this prayer for those of you that specifically are hoping for a child. So if you're a husband and wife in the room, I want to invite you to just... Um, grab each other's hands, but specifically, if this is for you and that you're asking the Lord for children, I wanna pray for those couples. And, uh, and as I finish praying, we're gonna bring a pastor onto your campus who's gonna lead out, and then we've got still some worship to do, but I wanna pray for that specifically. And believing this, mm -hmm. believing that a year from now, yes. on Mother's Day, mm -hmm. we're gonna experience some people 
that have seen God come through miraculously over the next 12 months in giving them the good gift of children the same way that he brought us through the pain of ours. So let's pray together. Father God, I pray for couples. I pray for children. I pray for your blessing. You're the one who told us to be fruitful and multiply. You commanded it. And so God, we're gonna play our part in that. We're gonna trust you. But God, we need you to do the mysterious, beautiful thing of allowing man and wife to come together and bringing beauty and procreation as you give children. And so Lord, I pray right now, every situation, you know it. Every circumstance and hardship, you know it. But God, I pray right now that you would do a miracle for your glory, that people would look back and this faith would grow in their life, that they would share this testimony for the rest of their days about how the Lord gave them a miracle child and that that child they would know has a purpose on their life because the Lord did something before that child was even in the earth. We're believing for it, we're travailing for it, we'll continue to pray again and again and ask you to do it for your glory, God, our joy and the world's good. Thank you for the gift of prayer. We love you and we honor you, Jesus Christ, now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand as you invite someone on your campus to come and lead? Thank you, Corey.